We're looking forward to the time. You know, looking forward to the time when uh, I'll be with you all physically. Actually, I had um, well, it was a pre-recorded video for church in Leicester this morning. So I was telling people I'm in Leicester on Sunday morning and paint on Sunday evening without leaving the house. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, um, we, we're looking at Psalm 46. Um, I think I'll read it through so that it reminds us of, of um, what it's saying. And then uh, we, we'll uh, look at it in more detail. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Lovely psalm. I used to have those words in verse 10 on the wall at home for quite a few years, be still and know that I am God. <clears throat> it's a wonderful word from scripture to just have to remind us, whatever our feelings might be, just to be quiet and still, emotionally as well as in any other way, and just recognize that God is there. I'd like to break, well, first of all, I'm going to just um, give a little background and then we'll see how we break up the psalm. Um, it's not a psalm of David. It, it tells us it's a, 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 of the sons of Korah. And who were they? Well, Korah uh, was one of the Levite families. And uh, it seems that they were a very musical family. We go right back, the Kohathites originally. And the Lord gave that musical gift from generation to generation. Uh, and they were noted to be the leading musicians within the Levite community. And uh, the sons of Korah would have been the descendants, the generations that came after him. Uh, uh, so it was a very musical family. Uh, uh, God gave that, uh, gave that family those gifts, the benefit of the whole of uh, Israel. Uh, the occasion for writing this psalm, it, it, there's a little bit of a division amongst commentators. In 2 Kings chapter 18, we're not turning to it, but in that uh, chapter, we read of the attempted uh, invasion of Sennacherib, uh, which was defeated. And it's thought that the psalm may well date from that time. Uh, and it was their rejoicing that the Lord had defeated Sennacherib's 
uh, attempts to conquer Jerusalem. Uh, but the other thought is this, whether it started with that event, it might have become an annual celebration by Israel of their ever-present God, and it became part of the regular annual celebration <coughs> within, the, uh, within the nation, uh, particularly in the temple. So it's with that sense of God's presence that I'd like us to celebrate Psalm 46 this evening. And I'm going to break it into three little sections. I'll repeat them as we go along, but just to let you know where we're going. In verses 1, 2, and 3, God is present to help whatever the trouble. In verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, God is present in the midst of his people. And then in verses 8 to 11, God is present to bring us peace and security. And so to me, anyway, looking through it, I felt that the Lord laid on my heart the key to understanding this psalm is the presence of God. God is present. So again, looking at the first three verses, God is present to help whatever the trouble I'll read it again because I think it, it, it's, it's, it's so relevant to our circumstances, certainly today. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging I just jotted down here some of the uh, types of trouble that we as people could face uh, that I think bear some relevance to this passage. First of all, national and natural disasters. Uh, we would say the pandemic has been a national, indeed an international disaster. But God is still present, hasn't gone away. Um, as I've said before on these occasions when I've been with you, uh, my ministry has almost been exclusively, uh, certainly up until about a month or so ago, on the internet. And uh, for, for me, my, my testimony about that is that I, I did very little on the internet until about six months, maybe nine months before the pandemic started, when together with my brother-in-law, uh, brother who's quite a whiz kid on technology, uh, felt the Lord was saying um, we already had the Quantop Ministries website as um, just to prevent anybody else getting it, but I never used it. So now we had to start getting that developed uh, without realizing what God was going to do with it just around the corner. Uh, and uh, for me, and I'm, I'm sure it would apply to all of us, um, whatever we've gone through, we have known the presence of God in various ways, leading us, guiding us, helping us. Yet, it's not been very nice being locked down and all the rest of it. But God is still there. He doesn't disappear just because we're going through troubles. Uh, he's there to help us uh, with all these disasters. But the psalmist, the song is really looking at more than just uh, national disasters in terms of pandemics. Uh, but natural disasters, uh, and it, it's, us, it's for us to remember that when we have tsunamis, when we have volcanoes, when we have great upheavals, that the world is getting very worried about at the moment. 
with all these demonstrations and, uh, and all the rest of it. God hasn't left us. He's still with us. He's still present. He knows what he's doing, and he doesn't sort of disappear just when there are troubles. Very often when we're going through all sorts of troubles like this in the world, we almost think, oh, well, God's uh, just left us. Where is he when we need him? But the, uh, the psalm tells us that God is present to help whatever the trouble. Uh, and uh, there may be personal disasters. And if uh, anyone amongst us tonight is going through some sort of personal disaster, and I don't mean just the inconveniences of daily life, like the rain, uh, real disasters, real problems that get right down to where we tick. God hasn't left us. He's still present, present to help us. And uh, he knows the way that we take, as Job said. He's ever present. And then uh, we have to remember that in the Old Testament in particular, interwoven with whatever is going on, there is the messianic element to their thinking. Uh, and the messianic element is that there will be times of real judgment on this world, ultimately leading to the kingdom of God on earth. And when that happens, there will be real disasters. There will be real upheavals. Uh, and as we look at the Old Testament, any passage in the Old Testament and seek to apply it, we have to remember that there's always a messianic element in the fulfillment um, of these um, passages. And I'm just looking at uh, Isaiah 24, which uh, I, I believe is a prophecy tribulation period. Uh, and Isaiah 24 is headed in the NIV, the Lord's devastation of the earth. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face, scatter its inhabitants, etc. And uh, it says later on in the chapter, the earth is broken up. The earth is split asunder. The earth is thoroughly shaken. Uh, and uh, it, it um, talks about uh, swaying like a hut uh, in the wind. Uh, God hasn't left us, and he won't leave us even in times of judgment and, tri and uh, tribulation. And so there's this messianic, uh, messianic element. There will be a day of reckoning with this world. Uh, there will be a time when God applies his judgment to the wickedness of this world. And indeed, the Lord told us that day would happen when we see the signs. Uh, and he said, if those days aren't shortened, no fish would survive. So uh, for those that have that element of faith, uh, the, um, the, the Old Testament speaks of messianic fulfillment in all its different ways. And we'll see more of that as we go through the psalm. But when God prepares this world for the coming of his kingdom in a physical way, there really will be some very big physical upheavals. <clears throat> but God is still present to help those who are trusting in him at all times. And also this passage in verse 2 says, therefore we will not fear. And fear is a very, very real emotion when we do have troubles, when there are all sorts of trials going on, whether it's the things going on in the environment, in the politics, in the economics, or in our own personal circumstances. 
fear can suddenly take a grip of us. And doesn't the enemy love to bring fear right into our hearts? And in a very dogmatic way, the singers here in this psalm says, therefore we will not fear, even though the earth gives way. I, I sense, and forgive me if this applies to anyone amongst us, but I do sense there's been a certain amount of fearfulness about God's people concerning the vaccines. And I've had two or three people ring me up over the uh, recent weeks and saying, uh, of course, we won't be having the vaccination, David. And I said, well, why not? Oh, well, it's, it's of the devil and all the rest of it. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm quite surprised, and it's even more so in the States, how many Christians are joining the whole anti-vaxxer um, movement. Um, well, I, I just waited on the Lord when I had my first one back in January. And I said, Lord, it, it's entirely up to you. You've given these people this ability. It's amazing the way we've got there. And the Lord gave me a verse, which I'll just share with you. I'm sure you know it. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So I said, Lord, if you want me to have the vaccine, if it's of you, if it's a provision you're making to take away fear, then just open up the way. And uh, it, it, it all happened without me sort of having to organize it or, or, or uh, in any way manipulate the circumstances. And I said, Lord, you've opened up the way. I'm going to take the vaccinations and I will not fear. I'm your child. I'm not somebody just cast into the devil's uh, orbit at all. I'm your child. Uh, so there's no fearing. He will help us. So uh, that's the opening section. He's present to help whatever the trouble. Dear friends, if we're feeling fearful, give it all to the Lord. Just hand it to him. Fear not. I am with you. God is present. And then let's read again verses 4 to 7, our second section. There is a river, a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells, God is within her. She will not fall. Uh, God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. And then there's the assurance. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. And so our second section is that God is present in the midst of his people. It's uh, very well to say, as we did in the first section, God is present to help. But where? Well, he's in the midst. He's right in the midst of us. He's right amongst us. Whether we're in fellowship together, as we are here this evening, in our Zoom meeting, whether it's within our families, whether it's in our physical meeting, whether it's the church as a whole, he's in the midst. And I'd like to just dwell on that thought a little may well have done so over the years when I've been with you, but every system or aspect of worship uh, has God in the middle. And I'm going to just quickly remind you of seven different eras of worship in Scripture since the, um, uh, the Lord called the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, the first one was in Sinai, around the mountain where the children of Israel, two to three million of them coming out of Egypt, were gathered in a circle 
right around the base of Mount Sinai, while Moses went up on the mountain and heard from the Lord, shaking there with great um, wonder and lightning and thunder and smoke and so on. God was in the midst of his people when he established the law and showed them what sin was all about. And then secondly, in the wilderness journeys, he was in the midst of them with the tabernacle and the, the tribes were all gathered around the tabernacle wherever they rested at night time. Third era of worship was in the temple. The tabernacle, of course, carried on for many years, um, probably over 400 years, in, uh, in, in um, first of all, in Shiloh. Uh, and then gradually the Ark of the Covenant came down to Jerusalem under David, uh, the, uh, leading to the third era of worship when the temple was the place where God's presence was seen and felt in the midst of his people. The next era was when Jesus himself was here. The Lord was always in the midst of his people. He says, uh, he, he, he told us, you know, there am I in the midst of you, where two or three are gathered together, I will be in the middle of you, equally available to you all, not siding with a small faction on the edge, not outside the circle, but in the midst. He was even crucified on the middle cross. And uh, the Lord was always the center of attention. He was always in the middle of the crowds. The fifth era of worship is the one we live in now, the church age, where God is in the midst of us through the word and the spirit combined together, which is why in our nonconformist Protestant churches, we have the platform in the midst. Um, we, we, uh, it may be at the front, but it's in the middle. Before that, for centuries, it was the pulpit right at the side, almost as an afterthought. In the Reformation, it was moved to the center. God was uh, visible and, and present through the word under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's why for us, the sermon is the most important thing. The message is what we're there to really hear when God speaks to us. And then in the millennial reign, when the Lord comes back, the, uh, the millennial temple in Jerusalem, word of the Lord will go out from Zion. The Lord will be in the midst of his people and then finally in the new Jerusalem when time shall be no more the Lord will be in the midst of the city he will dwell in the midst of his people and dear friends we need if we have any spiritual perception at all we need to see that whenever we meet together the Lord is in the midst he, the, the, um, he is in the city of God the holy place where the most high dwells God is within her and we are the people of God. We are the city of God. We are the church. We are the place where God makes himself real in the days in which we live. Uh, I, maybe I'm a bit old fashioned. Um, and I've said this before, but I do love it when we meet together and we come and there's those moments of holy hush. When we come into the presence of God together. And we want to see the Shekinah glory. We want to see the presence of God in our midst. And know that we're not alone. He's with us. He's in the midst of the city. And then it says in this section, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And wherever God is present. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I've had a touch of um, uh, hay fever this week with all the pollen. Uh, and uh, it's those streams of grace. Those living waters. Our God comes to refresh us 
and uh, to 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 uh, give us that sense of renewal, these streams of God. It was in the Garden of Eden that God met with His people, Adam and Eve, in the school of the day. But the rivers were there in the midst, and of course, in the New Jerusalem in Revelation 22, we have the river in the middle of the city, God's living waters. Now we have the Holy Spirit, the living water within us, uh, and uh, it, it, it uh, and it. it speaks of God's presence amongst us. We uh, also have in this um, uh, little section, uh, in verse 5, God will help her at break of day. Well, I do like that thought, break of day. It's like the ladies going to the tomb and eventually Peter and John and so on, uh, at the dawn. Uh, and uh, to get a Jewish concept of this, we need to remember that the Jewish day doesn't start at midnight and it doesn't start at dawn. It starts at six o'clock the previous evening. Sundown to sundown is the 24 hours. And the reason why that still applies today amongst the Jewish people is uh, because the uh, creation account in Genesis 1 talks about the evening and the morning the first day and the second day and the third day. In other words, God was counting the 24-hour cycle with the night coming first and then the day afterwards. And you had that theme running right through scripture. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Now we see through a glass darkly. Then we will see in all its fullness. And uh, the dawning is when we put aside the, the darkness, the upheavals of going through the, 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 the difficult times, the darkness, the nighttime, and we see the ever-increasing light, the break of day. And it's very often when we're going through troubles and difficulties, as, which is this what this psalm is all about. It does seem like the blackness of nighttime. Uh, and uh, sometimes even when we're awake, in the middle of the night, we can't get any sleep. Something's on our mind. It always seems far, far worse than what it does in uh, broad daylight. Uh, but at the break of day, the same as those disciples, it was at the break of day that they suddenly realized the Lord had risen. It was the new revelation. And uh, in the 24-hour cycle, we may go through the difficult times, but suddenly there's a breaking day. There's a realization of God's power and his strength and his goodness. God will help her at break of day. Dear friends, as we're moving ever closer to the fullness of the light, the wonder of being with the Lord Jesus himself, we're coming into the break of day when things are becoming more and more real and clear and understanding. And that's what should, the Christian life should be about as we get closer and closer to eternity. And uh, then in verse 4, that, that, this section, uh, sorry, that's um, not verse 4, it's verse uh, 6. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. And uh, I, I, as I read that, I just felt, <laughs> well, the uproar of the nations at the moment, men's hearts failing them for fear of what is coming on the earth. The thing is, there's always been an element of that, right through all the different eras of history. But how much more profound can that 
difficulty be amongst the nations with modern communications and particularly with cyber warfare? With the interference that can happen one nation into another's affairs without them even leaving their borders. And the capacity for warfare and total destruction and all the rest of it. Uh, and many peoples, particularly since the falling of the nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki can feel, well, you know, isn't man getting too good, strong for his own good? What is the world coming to? We've had several sort of close shaves while the missile crisis in Cuba and so on and so forth, but we've got a lot to be concerned about on the human level at the moment with the nations, uh, particularly the godlessness, the false philosophies, the evils, uh, thinking of religions and philosophies around the world. And um, the, the, the verse says, they're in uproar, kingdoms fall, but he lifts his voice and the earth melts. When it says the earth melts, and I was thinking of two Peter, who compares a coming day when the Lord will visit this earth with fire, and he compares it with when he visited it with water in the day of Noah. And uh, sometimes people have interpreted that as the earth completely burning up and disappearing. I don't think it means that. I don't think this means that. Because the parallel is with the flood. And when the flood happened, it destroyed all living things on earth apart from those that were in the ark. But the earth was still there. It was a rather different place, geologically, geographically, meteorologically, and so on afterwards, but it was still the earth. What I think is going to happen, the Lord is going to cleanse this earth with fire. Think of all the pollution. Think of the plastic everywhere. Think of the terrible pollution of the atmosphere. The burning up of all the false uh, attributes of witchcraft and uh, and so on and so forth. The books, think of all the things to do with pornography and so on and so forth. That's what I think the Lord is going to cleanse. The earth, the Lord speaks and the earth melts. Again, I think there's a messianic element to this passage. And then we go into the last section, verses 8 to 11. We'll read it again. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolations he has brought on the earth, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. It will be, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And that tremendous desolation is repeated in Revelation. I think that's the tribulation period that's going to come. There might have been elements of God bringing some sort of desolation before. But uh, as President Reagan used to say, you ain't seen anything yet. And I think this pandemic is a warning to the nations. That, uh, and I understand there's even more viruses now they're thinking maybe coming out of China. And uh, the earth is beginning to say, well, are we coping? Uh, well, according to what God has, has said, and here's the messianic element coming in again, it's going to get even worse. But we do read that after that, the coming of the king, 
when he comes to rest on David's throne. This is what we read. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It'll be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we might walk in his paths. And uh, in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 2, he will judge between the nations, settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. What a wonderful time on earth that will be. And this is also reflected here in our psalm, Psalm 46. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Well, those were their weapons of warfare in those days. I'm sure the Lord is quite capable of destroying the nuclear weapons and all the other cyber crimes and so on and so forth. And bringing about with that fire that'll sweep through all the ungodly attributes of men's action against each other and bring about an era of tremendous peace, stability, security. So therefore we should be still. Realize that this won't be achieved by politics. It won't be achieved by economics. It won't be achieved by other religions. It won't be achieved by communism. <laughs> It'll be achieved by God who hasn't left us. He's still present with us. He's present to bring us peace and security. For now, within our spirits, within our souls, whatever the troubles and the problems might be, to give, to give us that wonderful sense that he hasn't left us. We are his children. He knows the way that we take. And as Job said after his trial was over, he says, now I know uh, because I've now seen God. I had only heard about him before. But no plan of yours, he said to God, can be thwarted. Whatever's going on in the world today, whatever's going on in our society, whatever's going on on the internet and so on and so forth, God is still in control. He's still there. So be still. Be still from the anguish. Be still from the fear. Be still from the, uh, uh, the, the, the feelings that would, would totally destroy us. Let me bring this in. We've had this week the reaction of Prince William and Prince Harry to all that's going on. And one feels for them, particularly um, being old enough to have seen the funeral of their mother and so on and so forth. For you, do you know, as, as I've read about their anguish, their mental anguish, and particularly Harry, what he wants to do about it. I think if only they had Jesus, as we have him. If only they knew the Lord, because we as Christians, we're not, I'm not in any way minimizing either their uh, concerns and fears and difficulties. Uh, but for any of us, we can have great anguish and mental problems. But for us, we have Jesus to be still and know that our God is with us, that he loves us. We're his children. He's our father who is in heaven, Father God. And that whatever's going on, God is present. He's present to help whatever the trouble. He's present in the midst of his people. He's present to bring us peace and security, both now 
and will be even through a great trial of a time of judgment and into the millennial reign after that. And then in verse 7 and in verse 11, both times, we have the consolation, the conclusion, the assurance. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And that's repeated again in verse 11. May we hang on to our God even, even more strongly, abiding in Christ, being still, giving him the concern and the worry, and uh, looking up that, on that, not just in terms of our own personal lifestyle, but what's going on in this world, in our nation, and having that wonderful peace and assurance that only God can give us. When I was preparing this, I thought of that lovely hymn. Uh, in, um, it's in our Mission Praise hymn, but we usually sing it to the tune the Dambusters. God is our strength and refuge, our present help in trouble. We therefore will not fear. Though the earth should change, though mountains shake and tremble, though swirling floods are raging, God, the Lord of hosts, is with us evermore. There is a flowing river within God's holy city. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God's help is swiftly given. Thrones vanish at his presence. God, the Lord of hosts, is with us evermore. Come, see the works of our maker. Learn of his deeds, all-powerful. Walls will cease across the world when he shatters the spear. Be still and know your creator. Uplift him in the nations. God, the Lord of hosts, is with us evermore. May the Lord give us that wonderful peace that passes all understanding that only he can give, whatever the circumstances and the trials and the troubles that are going on around us. The Lord bless you. Thank you, John.